is there and the way they play. And what about Peter O'Mahony? I just oh, exceptional. A sensational performance. Yeah. Jack O'Donoghue and Hodnett. The three of them in the back row. The Red 78 with Alan Quinlan and Neil Briggs. Subscribe to the Rugby Channel on the OTB Sports app and turn on your notifications now. You should be the host here. I'm roaring laughing at you. We're both monster people, diehard monster people, and we want them to do well. The Red 78 with Alan Quinlan and Neil Briggs. Nobody knows monster rugby better. I'd like to think I know a lot. Hello and welcome along. I'm Alan Quinlan. You're listening to the Red 78 here on the Rugby Channel. With me, as always, is Neil. Neve Briggs after a busy weekend we'll, we'll chat about that with you in a few minutes Neve. we'll be getting on with the pod as normal in a little bit but something we're all about the fans here and engagement with the fans and messages to the Munster supporters so uh, we're joined and we're, we're delighted to be joined by someone who's in the thick of Munster Rugby for a long time Mark Meehan, Chairman of the Munster Rugby Supporters Club Mark you're very welcome and thanks for joining us uh, Good morning Neve. good morning Alan um, that's brilliant to have you and uh, chatting to you beforehand you listen to the pod a good bit anyway and you share it you share it out with all your supporters so just um, before we go on we're going to talk about Cardiff and Toulouse and it's such a big week for Munster obviously and uh, there's been lots of positives in the last number of weeks um, behind the scenes the supporters have, have always been mentioned about and I know this from my own experience the way they give people a lift the players a lift uh, the Red Army travel all over Europe. They're synonymous with European Cup uh, for many, many years. And as I said, I've experienced that myself. You've been on that journey as well and being one of those supporters, you're now chairman. Just tell us a little bit about the Munster Rugby Supporters Club and the role they play and the benefits he offer to the supporters. Yeah, super. Um, we, we started in 2009. Um, started off, or sorry, apologies, 1999. Um, we started off with around 18 members sitting in a pub, trying to figure out how to travel the games together. And actually today, if you add, if you add up the numbers, we've around 12,000 members. So quite a sophisticated volunteer organisation. Um, the principle behind it is very pure. It's about supporting Munster Rugby. And that's it. Uh, I suppose, as you would know, Alan and me, have Munster Rugby have multiple stakeholders. But I think all we, all we ever really want is to be in the ground. And that, that's a great kind of value proposition to be able to sell. Um, we have two points of contact to actually work in Munster Rugby and we connect them with those daily. So it's not a turn up at the match organisation. It goes on every day. And we have our own face, Facebook, Instagram, social media platform, around 220,000 followers, um, which is significant enough. And we use that to, I suppose, spread the gospel about Munster Rugby. But I think the big thing we offer, not only on the match day, and Alan, you would notice even from your own mum going to the games, is that community, you know. It's yeah. that extra layer that means when you're with Munster, you're part of this thing, a family, a community. And that's what the Supporters Club offers more than anything else. Um, it's, it's that unique collective of people that have a shared passion. But it's all about good fun. And I suppose, finally, it's all about supporting the team and, and not wavering, you know, not giving and, up. And do, you, do you have a connection that you meet up at games, particularly the away games, the yeah, sure. rally the troops as regards giving out flags, making sure there's enough colour in the stadium, yeah. all that kind of stuff. So it's more coordinated, the support, essentially. Hugely, yeah. From the choir down to flags. So I'd be part of the flag team since around 2002. It's the same eight of us give away flags since then every game, home and away. Brilliant. Um, but we, we have our own bar in Tom and Park. We're lucky to have it. Holds about 1,400 people. 
Um, That's very important to have your own bar now, Mark. <laughs> it's essential. Overlooking the pitch, a great spot. Um, like in, in a kind of a way, and you would know this, Alan, and any of you would know the same. We, we see ourselves like as ambassadors, you know. So any team we're hosting that's away, we open up their upper arms to the, the, the traveling support. We have a huge network of connection with the supporters clubs around Europe. Most times when we travel to Europe at this stage, we usually stay in people's houses. We set up cross accommodation for folks. Um, so it, you know, in a lot of ways, it is unique. I, I've been looking at other supporters clubs in the last while. Um, and I don't know if there anybody has the the connection that we're allowed to the professional game. So as I said to you, it's a daily thing. We're literally talking to Munster Rugby every day about how to make what we can do better with the pure intention of offering support. Mark, I, I think that's probably why Munster is so unique. It's the ability to connect supporters with the players. You don't really see that very often across other provinces or other clubs especially since the game has gone professional do you think that the fact that the Munster club is so strong the Munster supporters club and 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 that kind of community environment encapsulates encapsulates that sorry um is that do you think do you think that's what keeps that professional game but yet that kind of still amateur status that we get to know all the players and you know that it, we we almost feel like that we know them like as in it's not like that they're over there and we're over here I just feel like within Munster they, there's a very kind of a family community stronghold and I think that the supporters club are a huge reason for that No, I, I agree you know and but to be fair I suppose you know even in Exeter there a couple of weeks ago what I noticed is that because of some of the young players coming through now We've all these new generation of younger lads, you know. Now at the start, like you know, you know, you could suggest right now they're probably going just for the weekend away and the piss up. But what you're getting now is that connection with the younger generation, and that's the same thing that happened to us following uh, Quinny and the lads. You know what I mean? With, with them week in week, and and you can see that hook starting to dig in all again. And actually, when the team arrived at Exeter in the away game, all those folks that were waiting outside the stadium, the first thing is it was coordinated by the MSE, MRSC. That doesn't happen by accident. So we were going around to groups of people saying, the team are arriving at this time, here's the gate, be there. But the other thing I noticed is that there would be most of them were under 30. A lot of the old timers like myself were no longer spring chickens. So anything we can do demographically to lower the age. But can I say this to you, in, in the professional world of sport, that connection is hard to maintain, you know, it just doesn't happen by itself. It takes a lot of work and all our messaging that we put out, all our, I suppose, all our communications that we put out are grounded in trying to grow that. You know, sometimes you get a sense of Munster Rugby for a period of years, the support may have been like at times an anchor, you know, kind of weighing them down. But that's not what we want to be. We want to be the opposite. We want to be lifting them up. We want to be, we want them to know it's not about the W or the L, you know. That's not why we follow Munster. It's, it's bigger than that for us. You know, we speak a lot of the time about um, the, the support and how important it is to Munster. But also, you're right, that pressure, that pressure valve, because it's Munster, we feel, you know, that we should be winning trophies. But that, you know, it's really difficult. We've also spoken about how difficult it is to win. Um, but I think over the last while, you know, we've seen a kind of an almost turn, a shift in terms of the mentality. It's not like they haven't ever, it's not like they were never trying, but we just see now this kind of um, probably freedom, I suppose, in terms of how they're playing and that ability to, you know, 
for the Munster support to get behind him, we're seeing, you know, big hits, we're seeing big carries, we're seeing him move the ball now. And I think that's, that's as a Munster fan, I think that's all we're looking for really, isn't it? It is, but I think also, Niamh, and like, you know, this being in the media, like, you know, often the 5% of people rule the narrative, you know? Yeah. Like, the other 95% of folks can see the players trying hard week on week. I mean, because we have so many social media platforms, we see the comments coming in. But what you, what I, for example, on Facebook, I know there's about 25 people, no matter how good Munster are going to do or negative. Yeah. What I do know yeah. is there's, there's 80,000 people who will put up a lovely comment to the team saying, well done, lads, we're with you. And, I, you know what I'm saying to you? That's one of the challenges, like, isn't it? To make yeah. sure that the narrative is of the 85,000 rather than the small numbers. Yeah, absolutely. I look, to be fair, I think people are entitled to their opinions. And look, we're we're also very aware that parts of the season haven't been good enough. And um, it's important that, you know, we're not literally, you know, uh, patronising people or players. I think that the players know that too. But I just feel like there's been a shift over the last few weeks, especially since maybe that Leinster game where, you know, they lost in Thorne Park or in Thorne Park. I, I feel like that there's been a little bit of a shift in terms of how they're playing. And I suppose, first of all, you know, over 25,000 tickets sold for this weekend's game against Toulouse. You know, how many is it? 31. 31. Amazing. I, I think know. to be fair to Munster in terms of the ticket pricing and the buses has yeah, been huge. Um, it's, 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 yeah, really. But I presume that you're also driving that in the background. Uh, you know, to be fair, to Munster, it's Philip Quinn, Quinn and a fellow called Paul Ringer running the buses. But we live in MRC store doing a bus mammy on every bus, you know, to make sure everybody gets there <laughs> and to make sure everybody gets back. Um, That's the most important part. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And we live MRC volunteers in the Aviva with Munster people on Friday putting out flags and all the other good stuff, putting some flags in the dressing room to Munsterize the, the dressing room. So anything we can do to add value, uh, we're going to be doing for sure. That's class. Quickly, how, how can people sign up to this and uh, yeah, what's yeah. the best way to, to, to get involved? We're, uh, we're, we're in the renewal phase at the moment. Just quickly, if I may, can I just run through yeah. some of the benefits because they're quite large? Yeah, yeah, go for First it. One is a, it's a 25% discount off a season ticket price. So if you can imagine the price of all the tickets together, minus 25%. So we, we have, without doubt, the best value in Munster Rugby in terms of getting the games. For every uh, URC game outside Leinster, you can bring two kids free, which is amazing. It's an amazing deal. Um, we have our own newsletter. We have our own bar. We have our own membership pack. We have our own Q&A events with players, um, Etc. Etc. So there's so many multiple benefits that we get from being the supporters club. We since COVID we moved into a, a kind of a growth mindset for a while there, as you can imagine. We're just trying to hold what we have, but we're, we're really going out to grow. And you know, demographically, we are trying to create an environment where we get a lot of younger people out to join with us and stay with us. We do have a junior club of five thousand people, which is sponsored by a company Inver Green Energy. Um, and what we're trying to do now is have as many people over the age of 18 join us, uh, particularly in the next couple of years, so we can keep it going. We want to trend right. to keep moving in the right direction. It's that Brilliant. time of year again, Mark, isn't it? To try yeah, and- right in the middle of it, Alan. Uh, MRC.ie, you can, we have all members, new members. You can pay over nine months. You can pay in once-up stage payments. So to be fair to Munster, they do everything they possibly can um, to get folks to join. But bigger than that, you're joining something different. It's a, it's, it is a community. It's You can go to any game anywhere on your own and there'll be someone from the MRC to give you a bit of a comfort hug, welcome you into the group. And that's really important. Right. Obviously, it's an incredible week just to finish 
Toulouse on Saturday. Um, will it, the Red Army will be there in force again. It's a home game, even though there's, you know, it probably because of Ed Sheeran, it's in the Aviva. There was some talk of frustration about that, but it is a home game. And I'm sure the Munster yeah. supporters will turn yeah, out again. Yeah, this I think look, Munster Rugby usually give us a pre-sale, so we had that. So what we try to do there, in fact, we did manage it, is all the lower tier of the Aviva, it's going to be full of the MRC. So we're going to turn the lower tier of the Aviva into the Twomond Park Terraces. We're going to turn it into an incredible environment, uh, atmosphere to drive the team. Okay. Well, Mark, look, thanks for joining us. Um, enjoy the week. Uh, fingers exactly. crossed. Fingers crossed for the weekend. And thanks for sharing the pod as well. I think these kind of things, um, what you're trying to achieve, it's all about the media as well and getting those messages out on different platforms to get them out. So sure. Sure. We, were, we were delighted to have you on, Mark. Um, and hopefully we'll see you on Saturday. And Munster will be celebrating uh, a win against an incredible team. Yeah, uh, yeah. Well, I believe they will. And thanks for your time. And thanks for what you do as well. Thanks a million to, to Mark Meehan there, the chairman of the Munster Rugby Supporters Club. Uh, he was brilliant, Nave, wasn't he? Yeah, super. And I and to be fair, I've come across them quite a bit, especially in away trips. So um, they are a, a unique bunch. I think um, that following that Munster have is so, so important to the club. It's, yeah, sometimes we, we take it for granted and we think it's just going to happen. But it, as Mark said, it's coordinated as well. So it's brilliant to have him on. Mm. So... Uh, don't forget to sign up anyway for any listeners who haven't already or are not members. Uh, getting on to your game Saturday night in Belfast, Neve, drama, joy, joyous scenes at the end. Um, it was pretty nervous though. I'm sure you were sitting on the edge of your coaching seat there. Uh, and then obviously what happened at the end with Enya Breen's try and conversion was was phenomenal. Yeah, look, it was obviously uh, the last five minutes for sure were definitely uh, not good for the soul from a coaching point of view. Um, and the first 75 were obviously incredibly frustrating because we definitely didn't play to our potential. Um, but to go and to hang in there um, and to to not be in the game for a huge amounts of time, but still be in it, if that makes sense. And to deny Scotland points, I think, was, was huge, especially in that first 20, 25 minutes of the second half where Scotland basically camped inside our kind of 22 territory type. So it was, it was great. It was brilliant. It was so important for this group. You have no idea this, the, the resilience that they have that belief um, to be able to go back up the pitch with 77 minutes on the clock and, and to camp inside the Scottish line. I thought we'd lost it a couple of times um, trying to force it, um, but delighted for, for Enya. I think, um, you know, it's been a, she's had a bite her time, especially for the first three games, um, but she's grown hugely as a player and a person over this campaign. So it's been brilliant. The disruptions you had with seven players away, obviously big defeat to England as well. Um, so it probably wasn't easy to, to, you know, to get the team working as a cohesive unit. But I like the fact that Greg has been pretty honest. You have as well that there is issues um, and there is areas that you need improvement on. Are you confident that something, a result like this can obviously give you a feel good factor, but make you believe that, you know, the character is there, but the skills need to get better. And that's that's working work that needs to be done going forward and can be done. 
Yeah, hugely. Look, I think for us, we kind of always felt that this group had, they have something special. Um, it's just about trying to give them as much tools to be able to go and compete at international level. I think for them, you know, to be able to come back and win like that was huge, especially after, you know, as you're right, the English defeat the previous week was, was tough coming back into camp on Wednesday. And um, we obviously had a lot of injury issues from that game, a lot of sore bodies, six-day turnaround, no sevens players, so it was always going to be a big ask for them. Um, so, but going into the summer program now, so we've a couple of weeks off, and then they they start to go again. It's it's really important that they hold on to that that resilience, that grit, um, because that's there. And now we've just got to try, as you say, improve the skill development, improve the conditioning, improve our our strength work, um, because we've got a big summer ahead of of work before we head to Japan. Just before we finish, was it an enjoyable period of time for you, the coaches, the players? Um, obviously, you know, you probably love to rewind the clock and play Wales again at the start. And the expectation before the tournament was France and England are a level above um, and you want to try and compete, at least be, be on that level below with Scotland, Wales and Italy and be beating them. Um, did you enjoy the number of weeks or was it? It brings its own stress, I'm sure, being a coach. But did you enjoy it? Yeah, hugely. Look, it was it was unbelievable. I learned so much. I think, um, and you're right. I think when you separate the emotion from the process and understand that every week you're you're doing things that you you know you're trying to work on off the pitch or in training or through walkthroughs, it gives you great hope. It gives you great hope that this group can go somewhere. Um, they're a brilliant bunch off the pitch. There was a good bit of crack back at the hotel afterwards, um, and. Look, it, it's been a brilliant, say, 10 weeks. I, I couldn't have asked for anything better in terms of, you know, you're right, I'd love to go back and, and replay that Wales game. We all would, but I also think that we'll have learnt way more from winning that, from, from losing that than winning it. And I think that, that that's going to be the most important lesson for us. OK, well, it was good that it was a, obviously a positive finish and fine margins in sport. You could have been a wooden spoon, but um, you got two wins out of the five and... Um, Plenty to work on, as you say, but everybody, the whole country was delighted. And it was a good night for women, uh, women's sports. Katie Taylor later on that night as well. So it was brilliant. I just love the emotion and, and the fact that um, I think they worked incredibly hard. They made mistakes in, in, in the games that you highlighted and Greg highlighted. Um, but I think it's lovely to see that emotion. It was hard on Scotland, but she, you probably owed them one after, after that after World Cup qualifier. Okay, so we'll we'll um we'll obviously move on now and talk about the Munster games. Um, as always, we want you to be involved, the fans, the supporters, the listeners, to to get their involved, get your involvement, give us your opinions. Um, we'll try and share those opinions, dissect them. Uh, we want them to be fair, so uh, you can get involved by tweeting us at the at, at Rugby Channel Fifteen or tweet me and myself or leave a comment on YouTube where you get the podcast. So. You have some tweets. I put a tweet out yesterday about the performance. 42-21 against Cardiff on, on Friday night. Um, assessing that game and obviously looking for, looking ahead to to uh, a mammoth task against Toulouse next Saturday. Yeah, look, I thought, you know, um, I thought the game against Cardiff was really good in patches. Definitely we'll need something uh, extra for, for Toulouse this weekend. But in relation to that tweet... Uh, Ian Moore came out good win against Cardiff a bit loose but overall they did what was required 
It kept up the momentum. It's simple this week. Match their scrum, raid the line out, attack the breakdown and keep their halfbacks quiet. Stay in the game and get the crowd involved. Ian makes it sound very easy, to be sure. Um, Adrian O'Donoghue, a weekly lister. Don't underestimate how good Cardiff were. Well-oiled machine, moved the ball fast through the hands. It was a great result for Munster. All the confidence in the win against Toulouse. Plenty of support. Travelling from the Ballincollig under 16s and 18s and a half teams travelling. Uh, Keane O'Connor quite narrow in slow in the first half would have been punished by a better team grew into it and finished well I'd start Murray as Casey brings energy and unpredictability from the bench might just be what's needed late on looks like it's coming together for Carberry too what's your thoughts on that Quinny in relation to the uh, Casey Murray because I've been listening to a lot obviously reading a lot online watched the game back this morning um, and yeah, I think people's opinions there's, are definitely there's divided. Against, there's for yeah. and against, and it is quite divided. Um, a lot of the papers are talking about, um, you know, that um, selection situation, um, the way Craig Casey has grown as a player. I think his pace, um, his energy that he brings. Um, I'm divided. Um, I'm not sure. I think Conor Murray is still an exceptional player. I think... When he plays himself, he can be phenomenal. I think uh, his kicking game is really good. And, you know, Munster have kind of moved a little bit from kicking unnecessarily. Every team needs to kick the ball. They're still all, you know, consistently in around the mid-20s in the kicks they, they make in games. Um, DuPont and Intimac are incredible players and we will talk about both them in, in a little while. But also that Toulouse pack is incredibly physical. Their back row, very, very strong, powerful, front row, a lot of ball carriers. And I just think Conor Murray makes an awful lot of tackles. He's involved in a lot of turnovers. He had some big turnovers against Exeter. Um, if he plays well and has that bit of buzz about him, he can be exceptional for Munster on Saturday against Toulouse. Um the issues I've had, we've all, we've had with Connor, and maybe I've had it. Um, he's an incredible player, um, but probably the way Munster were playing makes him look bad, which he's not because he's a world class player and has proven himself many many times over the years. Um, the way they're playing now, yeah, that would suit anyone. You want to pass the ball, you want to move, you want to attack more. The conditions are much better this time of year. And I, there is an argument to say, well, Craig Casey coming on, he offers you that bit of zip and energy. But, well, that's the idea of any bench players coming on, that they do that. But I'm thinking if you're bringing Craig Casey on, you're chasing the game. If you're bringing Conor Murray on, he certainly has that experience to kind of make good decisions and his decision-making and see how it's the game. game. So yeah. you start, if you start Conor Murray, uh, if you start Craig Casey and you're behind and you're chasing the game, well, there's a difference then um, and that doesn't mean that Conor Murray can't quick pick up the speed of the game. Of course he can. Um, but I, I'd probably go for Conor Murray because he's a, one, he's an exceptional player. He's experienced, he's decision-making. But I just hope, and the hope from all of us is that Munster don't revert to type a little bit and try and slow the game down. Of course you have to manage the game, um, but that they don't kind of kick a lot of possession away um, I think they did really well against Toulouse last year. They, shook, they exposed them. They held on to the ball for long periods in that game in Toman Park last year in the quarterfinal. Um, or in the round 16 game, they were beaten 40 points to 33. 
Um, the attack wasn't a problem. It was the defensive stuff. And I just think Conor Murray brings great solidity in defence as well. He's a brilliant player. So I don't know. I, I'd go with yeah, Conor Murray. I, I'm, I'm the same in that as well. Just finished Paul Maher um, texting or tweeted in, good things. Less penalties given away, more turnover, looking to go forward, belief, grid and aggression. Things to get right for next week. 80 minutes of being in their face, hitting everything that moves. Defensive alignment needs to be solid, aggression and great and belief. And this is, I like this part and especially the, the last part, that defensive alignment. I felt at times against Cardiff the other day, we didn't really have that. We had issues where we had three or four players rushing off the line and we had players that weren't and we just, you know, Cardiff were able to pick that, I think, for their first try. Um, you know, they had a big carry up the middle. Uh, Healy and Farrell get off the line really quickly and leaves a Dodlegs because Rory Scandal doesn't come up back on the inside. They come through that gap. Similar on the next phase and Amos puts um, the Cardiff player away. So I think that, that, that was, you know, Lachman got caught as well not coming off the line. And I think against Toulouse, unless everybody comes up together or everybody just wedges, they've got to make sure that whatever they do, it comes to, they, they do it yeah. together. And I just think mentally they were probably a little bit off in that game the other night, even though the attack was exceptional at times and they scored some great tries. What a game it was to watch in Cork yeah. on Friday night. Um, it was incredible. You know, it was just non-stop from both sides. But the problem, I think, and Munster have got to be careful, you, you missed 25 tackles against Cardiff, which they did last Friday night. You missed 25 tackles against Toulouse and you're out of the Champions yeah. Cup. It's very, very, very simple. It will be easy this week for Munster to be focused. Champions Cup, Heineken Cup weeks are always different. In my experience, when I played, there's a great buzz. There'll be an incredible excitement about, about playing this match. There'll be a, a fear that if you don't switch on in your defence, if you don't cover that inside line, if you fall off a tackle, that you're going to get punished. So that kind of fear creates an anxiety that makes you alert and they've got to be incredibly alert. They're playing the five-time champions, Neve. You know, and that's yeah. the reality. I, I, I kind of agree with Christopher Murphy. I watched a little bit of their game against La Rochelle this weekend. They don't seem to be as accurate as they were last season. And Munster can can, can definitely win. You know, I think lots of things have to align. But, but he also brought up his points. Sorry, yeah. go for it. No, you finished there. Yeah, yeah. He also brought up points. Do you think Ben Healy has done enough to catch Andy Farrell's attention? You know, he surely must be tops among the young tens in Ireland at the minute. Look, maybe New Zealand might be a bit too far away from him. You might be looking at next year's November, but he's getting a lot of game time and he, I feel like there's been a huge evolution in his game. Yeah, he's looking composed. He's looking mm. comfortable. Uh, his body language is good. He's making good decisions. So I think he's come on a lot. Whether New Zealand, I think New Zealand might be a little bit um, too early for him. Um, he needs to be involved in a few squads first and, and for Andy Farrell to get a close look. But he's shown a lot of promise and that's really important. I think just getting back to the Cardiff match um, and we'll try and wrap on this in a minute and look forward to Toulouse. So we've talked a lot in the last few weeks, Neve, and lots of the listeners will be conscious of um, reading stuff online and the contrast we see now with the way Munster are playing. Um, in the last number of weeks. Weather conditions are better. Confidence is higher. Self-belief, the accuracy is better. We've seen a fairly consistent um, team in selection. You know, there's been a few tweaks and changes here, which is understandable. But they seem to find have found some cohesion, okay? And I think that puts them in a good place for the weekend. One of the tweeters there is talking about grit, determination, being in their face, 
all all relevance. But I think really you've got to be robust and you've got to make good decisions. And one of the things when this top end level of, of the game is you've got to win the collisions. So if you, collisions, what I mean is when you carry with the ball, that you win that little moment, that little inch, whatever the case may be. You get a good body position. You present the ball well when you're tackled. The clean outs are good. Um, and physically, you're, you're, you're kind of winning the collisions or at least having parity of not letting Toulouse run out over you because they're a b- very big, physical, powerful side. You've got to pre- protect the ball. Malvaca, Julian Marchand, incredible at the breakdown. But one of the things that we've spoken about, the change we've seen in the last number of weeks, which has come with the consistency, selection and confidence, 17 offloads against Cardiff. Yeah. That was the type of game. So I'll take you back to Connacht Munster at, at Christmas in the sports ground. One offload, um, one clean break. Munster had seven clean breaks the other night against Cardiff. Um, the concern for me, the one that jumps out, is his 25 missed tackles. Um, but passes, 216 passes in, that, in, in the game on Friday night against Cardiff. 45 passes against Connacht. So there has been an obvious change here, whether it's the players that are pushing this or whether the coaches have changed or whether it's down to the weather or that consistency selection. Uh, we have seen a change. What, you know, the players who stood out there, I thought Thomas Aharon was outstanding. Mike Haley was brilliant. I think Mike Haley is a great player. Sometimes what lets him down is his decision-making, the ability to see space outside him, um, he's a brilliant athlete, defends superbly, um, just some of the decision-making. But it was great to see him have a man-of-the-match performance. Thomas Ahern was outstanding. He's going to come into the mix for the weekend. Does he start with Klein or with Witcherly? Does Jenkins start? Um, I don't know. Um, but I thought Thomas Ahern was brilliant. Um, I think John Klein has to start at the weekend against Toulouse because of his physicality, his scrummage and his power. Um, but just to, to put Cardiff to bed, it was a really, really important win from from uh, you know from a league point of view as well because it puts Munster second uh, in the table, which they could have been eighth last week. He spoke about <laughs> away to Ulster, so they're second in the table on fifty six points. The Sharks are on fifty six in third. The Stormers on fifty six and fourth. Ulster on fifty five and fifth. The Bulls. On six or sixth on fifty three points, so for Munster to 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 the last couple of weeks in the league has been very important. They're now in a position that if they go and yeah. beat Leinster in a couple of weeks in Dublin, that they'll have a home quarter, they win that home semi. So it's really significant. So I think it was job done the other night. It was positive. It was uh, the negative side was the defence that we spoke about that they need to get right this week. And to be fair, you know, for most of the season, their defence has been brilliant. It's been what's kept them in games. Um, I think that a lot of those defensive issues were, uh, for me, the changes in personnel. Some of those players haven't played rugby in a long time um, and you're asking them to get up to scratch to to that kind of level. And and I like, you know, I worked for Cardiff uh, twice last year. Um, in terms of when they came to Thorne Park and I, and I love watching them play I think they moved the ball exceptionally well I think uh, Amos, Jared Evans these type of players are really really good and really quick on their feet and they cause defences problems I just do think though in the relation to that line speed issue that you know that, that dog leg that, that has to be fixed because the likes of Dupont and Entomac will literally like 
you know, we'll be able to find little weaknesses in that very, very quickly and very, very easily. Um, but you're right. I, I just feel like these players are coming into a huge amount of form, confidence. Like I thought, uh, you know, I don't often, I'm not overly like, you know, always exuberant about him, but I actually thought Sibo was excellent. I thought his footwork in around contact, he was very difficult to take down. I thought um, Jack Donahue was really good again. I thought Peter Mann, he worked incredibly hard. Um for me, the, the big the big question mark now as we put Garrett to bed will be how our front five deal with Toulouse because I do think that, you know, we could be under pressure there. So, okay, it was um, to, get, to get, what do, what did it need to get right this week? So just to, to, to put it in context, Toulouse are five times champions. Um, they have that history. They always turn up in the, in the Champions Cup. Their pool stages this year were, were strange. They beat Cardiff in the first game in Cardiff, 39-7. I actually worked in that game. They were in third gear, I think, and sloppy. And Cardiff were decimated, missing loads of players. But um, they won 39-7. Round two was a 0-0 draw against Wasps because of COVID. They were beaten in Wasps in round three, 30 points to 22 um, again, it was a poor performance and we were seeing little chinks in their armour a little bit and a Toulouse side that probably weren't at the same level as the year before. Um, and then the f- round four, um, they had to forfeit the game because of COVID again. Toulouse were awarded that game 28 points to zero. So they qualified on seven points and they finished seven and seventh in Pool B. So they barely scraped into the, the pool stages. And I remember thinking, they're potential winners now. They've scrubbed through here and they'll get their business right when it gets to the knockout stage because they'll have their players back. Um, they'll find some form and they have too much quality. So it's, uh, you know, they're an incredible side. They beat La Rochelle at the weekend. Just in the, in the league, they've played 24, obviously, won 13 and lost 11. That kind of suggests that this isn't the Toulouse we, we saw last year, that there is a bit of vulnerability there. Um, all their French Huge. players, they have about 10, 11 involved with France and they had incredible success winning the Grand Slam. So how did Munster beat this side with yeah, all their I, I th- physicality and quality? I, I think for Munster, case in point, to look at Ulster, Ulster were incredibly unfortunate not to beat them over the two legs. I thought they were exceptional in the first game. They moved the point of contact. They got over the game line in big carries. They looked for soft shoulders. They kicked really well. Um, and they fed the speed on the edge. And I think that, that Munster have the ability to do that. I think, um, I imagine Keith Earls will come back in this weekend. Haley's in the form of his life. Sebo I thought was really, really good. And, and you know, it's been a long time since he put back-to-back performances together um, and this is a huge opportunity he's been in, you know in France for the last few years he knows Toulouse very incredibly well and um, so I, I do I, I fully believe that you know this is a Toulouse side that are very up and down they've you know they've been struggling to put performances together they they obviously beat La Rochelle last week but the previous you know take Ulster aside losing one winning one the previous time they lost to Toulon so you know and Toulon aren't going well at all so I, I'd imagine you know for them it's 
it's it's a mentality thing and whether they can get them to buy in. And as Mark said earlier on, there's over 31,000 tickets sold for the Aviva this weekend. It's obviously going to be painted red for Munster. And I think, you know, if Munster can get up in their faces and make them uncom- as uncomfortable for them as Ulster did say in Toulouse, then, you know, you, you like to think they can come out the right side of, uh, of the game. Do you think that... Um... We could get a dose of reality this week. There's always a potential when you play to a side like Toulouse. Um, there's a couple of teams that you pick in Europe, Leinster, Toulouse, um, maybe Racing in the, in, in, in the knockout stages, uh, La Rochelle, that are just probably a level above with their depth and their quality and their international players. Munster, let's be real, are a level below that. But yeah, but can you think that, about? Like, it, of course they can. Of course they can get an absolute dose of reality. But for one of the best games that I watched last year was Toulouse first Munster and Tone Park. Like Munster were able to live with the best team in Europe last year, and it was literally small defensive lapses. Really, a couple of times where they didn't get their exit strategy right, and Toulouse after after scoring, and Toulouse come back down and score two or three phases later. You can, you know what I mean. So, are, are we? Is this team better equipped now to make good decisions and look? Yeah, back I think so. There? I think to, I think this is a better side than months than the Munster twelve months ago. Hundred percent. Even better Tyburn, even without Tyburn, Dave Kilcoyne, Andrew Conway. Dave Kilcoyne. Well, Andrew Conway is back training this week, so he could come back into contention. Dave Dave Kilcoyne is the big one for me. I think. I just think Josh Witchley's done very very well. I think Jeremy Lockman's, um, you know, had a good season. But I just think in terms of that strength and depth and and Dave Kilcoyne's experience of being an international rugby player, um, you know, you need your best front five players. Um, I think Ty Byrne, um, you know, while a huge loss, he's been look. He's had the last couple of seasons. He's been the best player for Munster. By by a long shot, I think the likes of Jack O'Donoghue, you know, Kendellan, uh, Thomas O'Hearn, John Klein, these guys are all playing exceptionally well at the moment. So while we miss his ability on the ground and his leadership in that lineout, I do think we've got players that are stepping up to that. Um, so for me, look, Killer is probably the, the big big loss, and um, but you know he hasn't played in a long time for Munster, so you'd imagine that Witcherly, um. And and Jeremy Lockman are are you know getting a huge amount of game time, getting more confident and understanding um their roles a bit better. Um, I just felt at times the weekend the, you know that they were just a little bit sloppy. You'd like to imagine that this weekend, um, the emphasis on the detail would be much bigger. So you mentioned to Ulster a few minutes ago, and you spoke about the way they played, and I thought I was incredibly impressed. Um, they had a sending off in the first game, which probably affected um, maybe affected I want to be respectful to Ulster they were brilliant they won the game by six points Toulouse scored right at the end they're a side that don't give up and if you switch off for for, for a minute I think they can punish you and they believe um, they believe they can get back into games so I think my experience of playing against Toulouse and I always remember sitting in the bedroom the night before the Heineken Cup final in 2008, chatting to Ron and O'Gara, and the two were chatting about what we kind of, you know, what was what's it going to be like and how good they are, and we kind of both agreed that if you hold on to the ball and you don't make mistakes and give them opportunities, sounds very simplistic, but they're a side that just continuously and it's in their DNA. If a loose ball is there, a loose pass or a poor kick, they can just cut you to shreds. And if you allow them to offload. So 
God be good to Axel. He used to always say when you played um, Toulouse over the years, chop, tackle him, bring him to ground, stop the offload or tag the ball. And I think the same applies nowadays, even still. Munster had to get a lot of stuff right. And they've got to be, you know, one one poor decision defensively and you can be punished. And going back to the Ulster game in Belfast, Intimac, DuPont, they were phenomenal. And they've shown that at international level. How do we stop these two guys? And what do you have to do? Do you need a hunter on the inside? Um, if Intimac steps back in, do you need someone tracking DuPont, the way he runs these support lines cross field and he just always seems to be there for that inside pass to score tries. He scored in Thoman Park last year. We've seen it so many times. How do we stop these two guys? And if we stop them, does that give us, and obviously I think gives us a way better chance of winning the game. Yeah, hugely. And I, do, I don't think it's a case of literally shutting the two of them down because I just think they have so much firepower everywhere else. I spoke about it already. I just, it's got to be about the connections in the defence. So you've got to make sure that they're working in their threes. And every time, you know, they come off the line, they're inside and outside are coming at the same space and same pace. And I think, I think a card off the other night, that's kind of what worried me a little bit, and especially in that first half. We definitely had an issue where we had outside players coming up and we had inside players back on their heels a small bit. And I think that if we go like that against Toulouse, we're going to be in trouble. I think if we continue to come up together and hunt on the inside and have that hustle, then, you know, for any player that stops that inside ball coming back in. And um, and you're right. I think anybody that's on the far side of that ruck and if, you know, they've got to be tracking DuPont's run to make sure that they get inside it. But he's an incredible player. And I just think that if you sit down on him and you focus on him, his ability to bring others into the game is just exceptional. And therefore, if you focus right on him, you're sitting in him and your tunnel vision, you're opening up little gaps either side of you and he can pick you off really easily. He can make you look really silly. So um, I think they've got to go as a unit, a defensive unit, focus this week on a defensive unit and those connections as opposed to going after players individually. I think that's really relevant what you're saying. Munster have got to play as a team. They've got to play as a team at the weekend. They've got to be really well connected. They've got to probably go beyond their pain threshold as individuals. Um, their work rate has got to be through the roof and if they hold on to the ball for long enough I think they can trouble to lose and put pressure on them but it's just those small little decisions and that accuracy that needs to be spot on and dare I say the power the intensity and the physicality they're the things in, at this level of the game that you've got to you've got to match at least uh, and get right and then you can impose your own game so um, just just to, to, to put it in perspective like you know when you look at I have a team here that played, a French team that played in the Six Nations and you've got Jalange in the back row, Francois Cross, Elstad, who didn't play. Um, it's an incredible back row. They're big, tall, rangy, aggressive back row. Um, Julien Marchand at Hooker or Malvaca, two internationals in the French team. Cyril Bay, um, Jean-Baptiste Cross and, uh, Gross on the bench. Um T-Bad Flaman, the, the back row stroke second row there as well, and then Ramos as well. So you're looking at 10, 11, and Charlie Fomuina tight it as well. So you're looking at 10 or 11 internationals. And like I was saying, you know, Munster are going to be very, very conscious of this as regards uh, the type of player they're going to be playing against. Um, let's hope that, you know, the Aviva is going to be full of red. I'm sure there'll be some Toulouse supporters there, but it's an incredible task. Um, who would you, also, you pick? 
I'm going to put you on the line. Who would you pick at nine? We're going to wrap in a sec, but would you I, pick I would Murray? Murray? Would you start yeah, Murray? I would, or, Murray. Yeah. I would go Murray. And it's not silent Casey. I think he's having an exceptional season. It's just his ability to, we spoke about it last week, his ability to provide energy off the, um, off the bench is huge. And you know what? The big thing for Munster is that they, you know, they're, like last week, Toulouse had to literally empty themselves to beat La Rochelle. They had to play their strong, strongest team because that French league is so important to them. It's way, for lots of them, it's way more important than, than the European Cup. And um, so you'd like to think that, you know, maybe Munster will have a, an edge there in terms of... Um, I'm, not, I'm not sure about Toulouse, Neve. Hugo Mola was, um, was on the media after the La Rochelle game, the Toulouse coach, and he was yeah. quite grumpy that some French pundits were questioning where they were this year and that they couldn't fight on both fronts. He was pretty res- uh, resilient and snarky as regards um, that, they, that they could. It's the business end of the season. And like 100%. I said, Toulouse, Toulouse kind of snuck into these playoffs. Um, they're still one of the favourites. So it's an incredible task. Let, let's hope uh, it's a special weekend for Munster. Um, we do realise and we acknowledge that Toulouse are a phenomenal squad. Yeah who probably haven't been playing as well this year as they did last year. Monster will need a complete performance. Uh, maybe they will. The last few weeks, we've seen glimpses of a little bit of spark and bite in the team, and I'm sure it'll be a special day. Hopefully, um, you know, can be a special day for Monster. We have no real other gossip or news. We're still waiting on the assistant coaches um, uh, to be announced, and maybe that might... Obviously, this week, it's it's there's still talks ongoing with with certain people. So hopefully we'll have updates on that next week. That's it. That's it for episode 30 of the Red 78. 30 episodes so far, me. Well done. Uh, <laughs> we're, we're, to make sure you get your podcast, I keep saying this every week, uh, just search for the Red 78 where, wherever you get those podcasts and and press the subscribe button. And don't forget in touch. Get, forget to get in touch with us. You can tweet us on our own personal Twitter accounts um, or tweet us at the Rugby Channel 15 or leave a comment on YouTube as well. So that's it. Just before we go, I'm getting a prediction off you. I'm not giving one, but I want your prediction. Will Munster win on Saturday? Jeez, Quinny. Yeah, I think they will. Okay, Munster will win. That'll do for me. Okay, enjoy your week, Neve, and uh, we'll chat you next week. Hopefully we'll be celebrating our we might be uh, drowning our sorrows, but uh, it's a tough challenge. But uh, good luck and talk to you next week. Chat then. The Monster Rugby Podcast Red 78 with Adam Quinnan and Neil Briggs. Nobody knows Monster Rugby better.